Welcome to episode 270 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your host, Tish, and Dr. T. In this episode, we review round 11 of the NRL. We discuss Anthony Griffin's sacking, France pulling out of hosting the 2025 Rugby League World Cup, and we preview round 12 of the NRL, the Indigenous round, and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 270 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Au revoir, Dr. T. I'm uh, <laughs> doing your play, putting yum. Uh, the Rugby League is very yummy these days. How about you, Dr. T? <laughs> <laughs> I have been updating my CV uh, in, specifically around my NRL coaching ability. Uh, oh, okay. I believe there is a vacancy uh, mm. in the NRL, which we are going to talk about. Of course, oh, well, let's let's uh, let's not hide the fact that Anthony mm. Griffin has been sacked by St George Illawarra uh, today. In fact, is uh, we're, we're recording yeah. this on Tuesday the sixteenth, and. Uh, Look, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. We will talk about uh, who we think are the the viable, feasible, best options for mm. the Dragons. So we'll, we'll dive into that as well. But look, yeah, just uh, cleaning out my CV and just making sure I'm updating it. Um, but yeah, look, it looks like every man and his dog has put his hand up to coach the Dragons, uh, mm. and and uh, and then and then they've also run away from it because <laughs> I mean, who would want it? It's a basket case at the moment. Uh, unfortunately, second only to the Tigers, probably. <laughs> but <laughs> at least the Tigers have Benji lined up, so at least they got their their house in order a while ago. Mm. Um, but the Dragons, not so much. I mean, there's a lot of speculation about uh, some of the old boys and also some uh, some old heads who are not necessarily Dragons old boys who can possibly bring uh, the Dragons back to their former glory. Uh, mm. But look, there's a lot to talk about. Let's dive in because we're gonna we're gonna talk about well a bunch of other things that are happening in the international uh, rugby league as well, no no less. So, how about let's just launch into our uh, tackle number one, which is our review of round eleven. Here we go. All right, round 11 saw some very interesting matchups and close games and some blowouts and uh, lots of drama. Um, you know, the, the main one being the last ever game uh, coached by Anthony Griffin for the Dragons, at least for the time being, um, and uh, no doubt the straw that broke the camel's back. But let's dive into it. So firstly, we had the Thursday game uh, with uh, the Storm beating the Broncos 24-16 to at Amy Park. Then we had the Warriors, 24-12 over the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs at Accor Stadium on Friday night, the early game. 
Uh, and the main game, Penrith Panthers versus Sydney Roosters, ended up being a total demolition. 48-4 to Panthers over the Roosters. I don't think anyone expected that much of a demolition. Um, South Sydney Roosters, uh, so South Sydney Rabbitohs, sorry, uh, Saturday at 3 p.m. at a course stadium. 20-0 over the Tigers, the Rabbitohs winning that one. Uh, back up to Townsville at Saturday, 530 was the Cowboys, uh, probably the final nail in the coffin of Griffin, uh, 42 to 22 over the Dragons. And the main game, uh, the evening game at Saturday, 7.35 at GRO Stadium in Canberra. So the Canberra Raiders, 26-18 over my beloved uh, Parramatta Eels, who were a little bit disappointing, I must say. Um, the Knights, Sunday, 2 p.m. at home, McDonald Jones Stadium, the return of Kalimponga, well, the second game <laughs> back from injury for Kalimponga. Uh, well, let's no. Let me get that right. The return from after Bali, after the Bali trip for the <laughs> night, forty-six to twenty-six. So look over the Titans, and look that must tell you that you know sometimes we just need a mid-season Bali trip, guys, <laughs> just to come back raring, uh, raring to go. Um, and finally, the Sunday four p.m. game, uh, the Battle of the Beaches. Ended up in favour of the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, twenty to fourteen over Manly Warringah Seagulls at Four Pines Park, Manly's home ground. So, look, um, and obviously the the Dolphins had the bye there, so they they had a chance to rest. Although I don't believe Wayne Bennett would have sent them to Bali. I think they, I think they've got some good beaches up there where they are at Redcliffe. So uh, there you go. Look, lots to talk about in round one, uh, in round eleven. Sorry, but I would say. Uh, for me, there were a few uh, a few highlights. Uh, you know, looking at at the Panthers' demolition of the Roosters, I think uh, well, I wouldn't call it a highlight if you're a Roosters fan. I would call it it's a a standout. There's some you know, it's a talking point. Um, yeah. You know, what's going on at the Roosters? The experiment, the the Sam Walker, the uh, the Joey Manu, lots of stuff happening there. I don't. I know they've got some injuries, but. Um, they've got still some very good players on their roster. I don't know what's going on there. So plenty to talk about there. Um, Storm Broncos, I mean, these are teams that are thereabouts around the same kind of level at the top of the ladder. Warriors continuing to win. Um, but really, the Newcastle Knights, to me, was uh, the standout. It, I did not expect that against the Gold Coast Titans, um, given what we've seen from the Titans recently. I think that at that point, the Titans were in the top eight. Um, Newcastle, I don't know, out of nowhere, all of a sudden uh, demolishing the Titans. I think it's uh, it must be State of Origin time because Kalimponga had a hand in almost everything, uh, had a great game. Tish, what were your highlights for round 11? Well, look, I think for me the key takeaway that I got out of round 11 is uh, don't write off the Panthers. Right, I know a lot <laughs> has been said about their slow starts of the season, um, losing against the... Uh, the reigning wooden spooners um, uh, to the point where they're, they're still <laughs> down the bottom. But, yeah, they lost to the Tigers, so people thought, oh, like the Panthers, you know, they've lost all these key players. But, look, they uh, they they went about, did their business and, you know, dominated the Roosters throughout the whole game, really, and it was like an 80-minute performance. And, you know, and I don't think they have a full complement of players as well. So they've got stand-ins happening right at the moment and they're, and they're performing well. And I thought that what emerged for me was that the Panthers and the Rabbitohs, they're probably the two front runners 
in terms of, um, you know, the heavyweights that will, um, you know, go close to getting to the final, if not winning it. I think, I think, I think the Rabbitohs look good and they look good against the Tigers. Um, even though the Tigers had a spirited performance, they still won quite convincingly. Um, you know, not, not a thrashing, but still, you know, a 20 point margin, which is, you know, and they kept the other team to nil. So that's, it's pretty good for the Rabbitohs too. So I think the Rabbitohs and Panthers are emerging. And I think, you know, the Broncos and the Sharks, they're not too far behind, but they sort of lacked a little bit. I mean, the Broncos went down to the Storm, um, who haven't had the best season as well. And, you know, uh, so, so you know, there are teams that are sort of, I think round 11 showed that there are teams that had a bit of a slow start but are now starting to emerge as, as real uh, contenders for the premiership, um, as well as other teams that in previous years we would have uh, liked uh, what they're doing, but they but they don't seem to be uh, performing that well, uh, and and obviously you know you're bringing up the Roosters, um, but I think you know the Roosters, the Sea Eagles, uh, the Eels, um, as well. Uh, unfortunately, Doctor T, I think you know all these three teams are teams that have you know performed well over the last few seasons and have have made it to the final series, but all of them losing games over the weekend and all of them sitting outside the top eight. Um, you know, with four or five wins respectively, um, you know, and teams like the Warriors and the, the Raiders, uh, you know, the Dolphins, they're, they're all, you know, teams that have, have sort of missed out on the top eight or, you know, uh, all above them on the ladder. It's it's kind of interesting. And, you know, you brought a team up like the Knights, right? The Knights had the buy and the comeback and they look like world beaters. Callum Ponga looked excellent. Uh, you know, he, he kind of... Uh, uh, I think he was the main threat, and he and he looks lethal actually. And then so a bit worried about state of origin. I know we'll talk about that later, but I think that um, yeah, it's kind of showing that there's probably two standout teams. Uh, one team, my team, the Tigers, that I don't think is uh, is 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 that crack shot. But then you've got sort of the remaining what uh, seventeen minus thirteen teams, all pretty close to each other. Any one of them can beat any other any other of them. Any given Sunday, um, as uh, you know, Al Chapino, Chapino, yeah, Pacino, <laughs> Pacino, no, Chapino. He's a that's that's a Chat Chat GPT's uncle. I was going to say Chorto, but I think that's like a, like a sausage or something like that. So yeah, let's <laughs> not go there. It's probably a swear word in a in a language we don't know. Anyway. <laughs> okay, my apologies to uh, <laughs> just, just be careful. friends in Morocco. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'll let you, oh, I cut you off there. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna say, like, you know, like, uh, yeah. I just think that uh, I think what's come out is, yeah, as I said, the the Rabbitohs and the Panthers certainly being favourites, but I think the rest of the teams, like even a, a you know, the Cronulla Sharks versus Manly Seagulls at home, Cronulla being able to win against Manly, I think that's a big, big win, and it kind of shows that, yeah, like, you know, it's very tight uh, this competition this year. All right. Speaking of competition, there's a lot of competition for the St. George Illawarra Dragons <laughs> head coach now that Anthony Griffin has finally been sacked. And that's the topic for tackle number two. Here we go. So 
the world's worst kept secret, Anthony Griffin, uh, finally sacked today by the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Unfortunately, the the board uh, didn't uh, announce its full support of him, so we were <laughs> we were we were absolutely stunned by this news. We were uh, you know surprised, uh, came out of nowhere. No, seriously, we've been talking about this for a while. I think. Um, well, I have to check the crystal ball because I think one of us predicted Anthony Griffin would be sacked, and uh, maybe I'll check it during the program. Uh, but it really the question now moves to who's going to replace him and what do they need? Uh, and the way I said uh, I saw it before, and I'll say it again, I think there's there's a few categories of candidates, and I'll just put them out there because uh, I think it's worth sort of throwing, and there'll be others that, that no doubt, Tish, you've heard of. Uh, but I thought I'd throw out the candidates, and then let's talk about what, uh, what the dragons actually need, uh, because mm. I think that's that's one of the things that uh, you know. And what have we seen in with uh, some of the assistant coaches elevated to rookie NRL coach head coach situation uh, that hasn't always worked out? Certainly hasn't worked out for a couple of teams this year um, in that respect. So, look, I, the way I see it, there are several uh, three main categories of candidates here. We've got the old boys. So the old Dragons players of uh, Jason Riles, Hornby, Ben Hornby, Dean Young, uh, potentially even Nathan Brown, although I think he's kind of uh, given up on NRL head coaching, but, you know, he possibly could be thrown into the mix. But but the, the, uh, the money seems to be on Jason Riles, who's now assistant coach at the Roosters, I believe, mm-hmm. um, uh, who may uh, come back to his former club and take the head coaching reins? Um, uh, honestly, if I'm if I'm looking at uh, the, the, those uh, candidates, I would think even Jason Riles. I mean, he has not. He must have flown under the radar very well because I don't think he's come up at all as a, as a an impressive assistant coach by any means, even though he's been with them. I think he also used to uh, be assistant coach at the Storm. So he's certainly got, you know, he's certainly been an understudy for several, you know, very good coaches. uh, But, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. But, look, the second category I see is the old heads. So these are old heads that have actually, you know, um, won uh, with, with other clubs and, the two stand, standout candidates are Desi Hasler, obviously, who've won two premierships with Manly, and Shane Flanagan, who won the Cronulla Sharks inaugural, uh, coached the, the Cronulla Sharks to the inaugural win in 2016. And uh, I'll throw another know, name in the hat uh, yeah. in that category. Yeah, Michael yeah. Maguire. Maguire, who is actually, uh, well, he's not, uh, at the moment, I believe, he is with Canberra as like their head consultant. Mm. football consultant or whatever. Um, so he's not really coaching at the moment, but he certainly would be, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he, he got ousted. So, um, And then finally, I would call this the old, old boy. <laughs> this is someone who used to play for the Dragons a lifetime ago. And, uh, you know, we saw him recently take Ooh. up at short notice the reins at <laughs> the Bulldogs when they were at their worst and turned them into a competitive team, Mick mm. Potter. Now, wow. now I have not seen his name being thrown around at all on social media or anywhere mm. else where I've seen this being discussed. Everyone keeps talking about the big names that have been talked about, but people are forgetting we've got a perfectly good candidate, someone who knows the dragons mm. who used to be a dragon uh, and who can get the job done and maybe has the tough as nails approach 
that is needed, Mick Potter. So I've thrown that in there as an extra category of, of, of coach that no one is really thinking about. But look, Tish, I guess it all comes back to we could go through the names, we can go through the candidates, but let me ask you the more fundamental question. If you were, uh, you know, the Dragons kingmaker and you needed a coach and you were thinking, here is what I'm looking for, what kinds of things would you be looking for? What Are we looking for experience, someone who can attract players, someone who's uh, young? You know, like what are the kinds of characteristics that you would be looking for in the new Dragons head, head coach? Yeah, well, all i got to say is welcome back, Mr. Couture. <laughs> is that okay? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Couture, Couture. Okay, I completely stopped that, that joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, look. In terms, uh, yeah, but in terms of a coach, so look, I, I think I, I need a coach that, um, you know, potentially uh, is is a, an early, uh, like, is a morning person, right? Um, so they don't wouldn't encourage um, COVID-related barbecues, uh, um, you know, as well. I'd I'd probably want a coach that doesn't have a television. Uh, well, actually, no, I think I need one that has a television and multiple Netflix accounts so that, uh, you know, their Dragons players can sort of um, can sort of like, uh, you know, not not stay up late doing all crazy kind of shenanigans and then get in trouble. And then, you know, I probably want somebody who's got a bit of refereeing experience, uh, you know, just in case there's a fight that breaks out uh, in a mid-season uh, competition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's kind of a it's kind of a mixed role. I, I basically need somebody who's got a um, uh, experience in in childcare because um, <laughs> the, the stories you hear out of the dragons, you kind of feel like, man, like does anybody ha- take responsibility? <laughs> wow. like, you know, live like an adult sort of thing. Um, no, but look, um, there, there there is one name, and I double checked. Triple check to see if anybody has mentioned this name this afternoon. Nobody has said anything, which surprises me a hundred percent. Because why go external when you could go internal, right? So you don't need to look for a coach outside. But why don't you uh, just uh, sort of uh, promote or and, I, and you know what? It's not really a promotion. That's not fair. I'd say it's more of a. Uh, you know when you don't go up in the company, but you go to the side. What's that called? Like sort of side, side promotion. I don't know, but just sort of mm. reallocating uh, your resources, reshuffling the deck, and yep. have your NRLW coach become your NRL coach. And I'm talking about Jamie Soward. What do you think about that, Sowie? Sowie. Yeah. Well, I must admit, I must admit, I did see someone mention Sowie, but then there was a laugh emoticon after it. So I don't think that person <laughs> was serious. Uh, but I think in, he's in done Sowie. a great job with the NRLW, right? Uh, that's what I feel, and I feel, and I think that um, maybe having a coach that oversees both the men's and women's squad. I mean, that's like a first, right? Um, uh, I, th- I think that look, I think he probably should be giving up that position. But look, I, I think you're right. Like maybe there's a something to be said about someone who's uh, within the club and done done the job uh, in a different context. Look, why not? I mean, you know, he still has to be head coach. It's the same sort of thing, um, and uh, and he's proven proven winner. So, mm. although I do think a, a four game season is probably not as long as a 26 game season, but that's a different kettle of fish. Yeah. But but you know, like. It's Sowie. I mean, come on. 
you know, mm. how could you go wrong? But look, look, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump in and answer the question that I asked you about what would I be looking for? And I think that the dragons need to be looking for. Uh, well, I'll tell you what they shouldn't be looking for. They shouldn't be looking for a rookie coach. I think a rookie coach is not going to fix uh, the situation that they're in at the moment, um, where basically uh, you've got you know the likes of Ben Hunt as the only player that seems to be putting in and getting you know getting results. Uh, the others have seem to have a massive cultural problem, uh, or you know there's, there's a culture problem there really. Um, you've got you know lots of uh, unsavory things that have happened there over the years. And what, look, one of the things that I saw recently, we saw that Ben Hunt uh, didn't he just have his 300th NRL game on the weekend? Uh, and unfortunately, um, or, or recently, and they had a, a special kind of dinner, and none of the board of St George turned up. <laughs> For that dinner, you know, I should have laughed, but it is quite hilarious to think about something like even that. Even right? his That's... former coaches, I think uh, Walter, Kevy Walters, etc., others like that turned up, um, but not not the current board of St George, I, which I think is disgraceful. And a lot of people are saying, you know, this isn't going to be a a rant against the board, although it probably could be, <laughs> because. Uh, whoever gets in there will have their work cut out for them dealing with the board. But um, I think there is a broader problem there at the Dragons mm. around culture. And and that's I'm just telling you that because I'm setting up the context of what I think should be happening with the coach. If I was a kingmaker and waved a wand, magic wand and, and got them the perfect coach, I don't think a rookie old boy coach like a Riles or a Hornby or a Dean Young is the way to go. Um, I wouldn't even consider going to Nathan Brown, who was a former Dragons player and, and certainly a much more experienced coach. Um, you know, would I be going with Hasler, Flanagan, Maguire? Well, I mean, I guess each, each have their own individual sort of um, well, let me be broader than that. Would I go for an old coach that has won before, and uh, and uh, an experienced coach who has won recently? I think uh, I think potentially yes. That's what they should be going for. Someone who's been there and done that and knows the culture of success. That's what they really need is someone who can indoctrinate everyone into a culture of success. But more importantly than that, I think they need someone who can do that but also attract new players. So I think there needs to be someone with a bit of a high profile, someone who's got a bit of respect and and who players want to sign on to that club to, to work with that coach. Um, and so, that look, that seems like an, a wish list that is hard to fill. But I think, uh, I think immediately if I look at the candidates, I would completely knock out any idea of a rookie coach, a rookie coach coming into this situation is not going to fix things. Um, I think there needs to be a, an experienced coach, someone who's been there and done that and who also can attract talent because that's what they're lacking as well. They've got a pretty, not a solid roster compared to say the Roosters and, and other teams that are vying for the top eight. So, um, so Tish, I don't know what your thoughts are on that with that criteria. Mm. If you agree, who does that leave us with? I mean, you know, potentially is it a bringing Michael Maguire out of self-imposed coaching, ret- you know, retirement 
or is it something else? I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, well, that's a pretty hard criteria to uh, <laughs> to actually, uh, you know, sort of admit, like, particularly the attraction part of it because, like, you know, you need to have a coach that uh, people want to play for, right? So and it's very hard to figure that who that could be. But it will definitely, I think it will rule out all the assistants. Um, you know, I think the Panthers have run out of assistants that other coach. <laughs> <laughs> other clubs can poach right. <laughs> right and then so you'd have to go to like a storm uh or a or a roosters thing and then you know they're probably not the best sort of candidates the, these days as well and then so brisbane has just got back up there uh, i don't know who the assistant at south is i mean um you know the south coach at the moment used to be an assistant as well so so yeah but like yeah so then yeah the only other option is is an old coach that people i mean des has like he got sacked right so uh you know or you know, whatever happened, I don't know if it's a sacking or not, but how many of those players that played for Des last year would all of a sudden want to drop Manly to go to the Dragons? I'm not sure he has that sort of pull, right? Um, same sort of thing with, like, you know, there, there's not too many Wayne Bennett's out there. I think Wayne Bennett's kind of the only coach at the moment that really has that, right? Maybe a Craig Bellamy. Like, maybe some, you know, if they somehow got Craig Bellamy, they'd be doing it. The only other person I could think of is Shane Flanagan because Shane Flanagan... Uh, he's he hasn't been uh, an NRL head coach for a while. He had great success at the Sharks, and I think he was one for developing players as well. Um, so I've just noticed, um, what, you know, listening in a lot of him, you know, a lot of people would ask for certain players that he would involved with him in development, and you know, he'd talk about their gameplay and stuff like that. And I just thought, wow, Shane Flanagan is a really smart rugby league mind. Um, fair enough, there are some baggage controversies uh stuck around him but ultimately i think he's got the talent to really um do a good job wherever he goes and i think he's also got the ability to pull some players um back in at the dragon so and i think that's where the uh the old boy uh candidate comes into it too right because uh and that's why i thought uh, mm. like a player like jamie soward who's kind of in and around the the place at the dragons but also like you know a lot of you know, he's got some connections with the Panthers and he's got, um, you know, he a lot of people know Jamie Salad and I think a lot of halfbacks in particular kind of, you know, his kicking game was kind of really renowned, right? And I think he's one of those um, halfbacks that, um, you know, in, in an era where only one player got picked and kept on losing for state of origin, um, he was like the unlucky, you know, understudy halfback that never really got a full go at it, right? But everybody knew his potential. So, I feel like um, I feel like a lot of plays can resonate. You know, the uh, Jamie Sow, the attractor of the overlooked player. You know, um, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, so. But look, so you're landing on Maguire uh, on on Flanagan, uh, which yeah, I think we did like certainly in the early days uh, when there was talk of him coming back. A lot of players were going to bat for him and saying, you know, this is a coach that I would follow. So I think perhaps more so than Desi Hasler. But I think you landed on something very interesting. I think Flanagan might be a, uh, a good option. That's not to say that this will happen. Uh, if we know the, the board of the St. George Illawarra Dragons, uh, we know they make terrible decisions. So they'll probably go for Jason Riles. In fact, I can almost guarantee that he's a shoo-in. So, you know, lock that in Nostradamus next week. We'll find out that Jason Riles and Ben Hornby are the duo that will take this club forward. Um, but look, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if that's the right approach because, you know, you need 
to have a successful person there who knows the culture, who can change the culture. Uh, and and that's uh, that's what they desperately need there. But look, let's leave it there. Um, while we're in the the uh, the uh, the business of picking uh, and 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 predicting, let's talk about who might be state of origin bolters in tackle three. Here we go. So ahead of the state of origin teams being selected, I think at the end of next uh, the next round, we thought we'd put our two cents in and and uh, come up with some predictions of uh, what are some of the the big uh, shock omissions or inclusions. Uh, as we normally see in game one every year, there's always something uh, strange that happens. But look. Um, I, I think for Queensland, or for, sorry, for Queensland, we're not really going to get that many shocks. I do think there is one shock that we will probably not see coming, but uh, that is Dane Gagai. I wonder whether he is on the outer at the moment. He hasn't really been performing well for quite a lot, quite a while. I know Queensland is all about the uh, the loyalty and the keeping the incumbent there, but I think there may be a case for. Uh, for other players potentially to get in there. Uh, I don't know if Kurt Capel is going to be moving back to the centres from where he originally was. I don't know if that's that's too big a move. but And I don't know who's going to replace him if they do get rid of him. But I think Dan Gagai, out of all the players that are in line for uh, the the Maroons, would be... Um, yeah, it would be one my prediction for uh, a shock omission uh, from Billy Slater's squad. Tish, sticking with Queensland, what do you think? Are we expecting any shock inclusions or omissions for Queensland? Mm, yeah, look, with Queensland, I haven't really... Look, what I find with Queensland is that every year they'll have at least one, like, shock. Hmm. <laughs> perhaps should be eligible for New South Wales or for New Zealand, um, which is kind of like a shock. The Like a rookie, right? So if I go to that part and I'm not 100% sure if he, pl- if he is eligible or not, but I know that he is definitely – well, he's playing for the Broncos. And every time I see him play, I think, wow, he's, he's like a standout. And that player is Ezra Mann. Right, Ezra Man just debuted in mm. 2022, right? And, um, you know, some of the skill that this guy has shown aren't like sort of, you know, uh, you know, coming off the bench for the Broncos or even starting. Um, you know, he's he's been pushing in, right? And I think he's been absolutely fantastic. So I could see a guy like Ezra Man uh, going into like the bench, right? Um, I think last year we kind of saw that with Murray Tulungi, right? He was kind of like, uh, you know, a very young player. And, and I think they also had a, even another Cowboys player as well that was the second role that sort of, you know, was playing well and got into the squad. I just can't catch his name. But I think, yeah, I think I like a guy like Ezra Mann is like kind of perfect for that origin bolter for, um, you know, for, uh, you know, for, for uh, yeah, for Queensland. Uh, now, yeah, to further the point that he's perfect for it, I could just see that he was born, apparently, according to Wikipedia, in Sydney, Australia. So perfect. 
uh, choice <laughs> for Queensland. He's, a, he's uh, a special for Queensland in that case, yeah. yeah. Well, well, it says he grew up in Ipswich, Queensland, so... Um, and oh, we won't hold that against system him. Since, uh, for Brisbane since he was 13, so I think... I think that's the claimant, right? That's fair enough. That's a criteria. He's in the selection criteria. Fair enough. Um, look, what about New South Wales? I mean, I think there's been a lot of speculation about Nico and Luai and all this sort of stuff. So I think maybe that might come into it. Um, but I'm thinking the key thing will be Tommy Turbo is absolutely not ready for origin. I think he's not fit. And we saw on the weekend uh, he's, his speed isn't there anymore. So I think he just needs a little bit more time uh, to get his form back. Um, I think it'd be too risky to include him, which means I think they need to do something in the centres. And I think what I'm expecting to see is the Rabbitohs combination of Latrell Mitchell and Campbell Graham on debut. I think he's shown uh, excellent defence. I think he's a really very much an origin-type player. He'll be solid if he's there, and I think he will actually be one of the the stars if he gets selected in in uh, game one. So I'm expecting Campbell Graham to be selected, probably not so much a bolter or a shock, um, mm. but given the situation, uh, it, I just see him being picked. I think Ado Carr will be picked as well, which I think uh, a lot of people will shock a lot of people. So unless he's injured, I believe he's not injured, but yeah, I think uh, he will also get selected. And I, I think uh, the only other kind of thing I'm predicting is from what I've seen, I think Damien Cook will start and mm. Coruscant will come from the bench, which is not what we expected, I think, going into this year. But the Luai and Nico Hines situation, I think uh, I think he'll stick. Freddie Fittler will stick with Luai at number six, but put Nico at 14. And I think that's probably the best option to make sure they're both there. I think they both can have an impact. Uh, I just think he needs to use Nico intelligently. Um, and uh, because, you know, having Chorus out there on the bench as well is going to be an issue. Uh, uh, or potentially Nico might miss out. <laughs> Maybe Chorus will be enough to cover uh, the halves and the, the the hooker role, and Nico is not required. So, Dish, what do you think? Uh, Campbell Graham, Nico, what's the situation? Okay, yep. So we need to fill up one centre position. As you said, Latrell's already in there. So I'm going to go with what New South Wales traditionally do, and that is pick a fullback to play in the centres. <laughs> right. Okay. And then, and then if I'm thinking about it, I think, okay, you know, young Fittler, he kind of, uh, you know, when he debuted, he was like a uh, a rookie-ish type player, right, when he, when he came and joined the squad. Mm. They haven't really gone for that in a while. So I kind of want to see them do that, and I want to go with another Campbell, but not Campbell Graham. I'm talking about Jaden Campbell. Okay. Yeah, because he has X Factor, right? Um, some of the tries that he scored over the weekend and some of the stuff that he has, I think it's great. I think he's a young development player. I think it's good to get him around and in the squad, and uh, I think the sky's the limit with a guy like Jaden Campbell. I don't know if they're going to go for a risk like that, um, <laughs> but I'm just thinking, like, you know, let's, uh, let's go a bit out of the box because – you know, New South Wales, we lost last series. We've got to try and, um, you know, think a little bit outside the box. I think having the Nico Hines off the bench as a utility, I think that makes great sense. Um, I don't know how he would go in the centres as well, uh, but I, I think he could cover a lot of positions. 
on uh, you know on that. Um, and then yeah, Coruscant and Cook, you know, however they they like to play that out. Um, but I think we'll add that spark and then run you know a, an eight man forward pack with two forwards off the bench and two sort of playing. Um, you know, a lot of the the New South Wales forwards that do get a selection seem to seem to be able to have a big motor. Um, the player that I feel sorry for, because I, I felt like he actually played pretty well, um, but I think it may be just be some personal issues. But I think Regan Campbell-Gillard is uh, is a great player, and I don't, I still don't understand why he's not a, uh, a regular New South Wales forward. Um, they'd normally pick him if there's a couple of injuries and things like that, but, you know, he doesn't get the... But I think I think he's just as strong as Payne Haas, just as strong as, uh, you know... Uh, uh, sorry, I'm trying to think of, of Junior Parlo as well. Um, mm, yep. So yeah, but it's it's kind of a position, yeah. So that so they, but I, you know, if they were to go outside the square, uh, I I think uh, look, I think Campbell Graham's a great player too. By the way, I think he kind of deserves his spot as well. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing a Jaden Campbell debut for New South Wales in the 2023 State of Origin. All right. Look, um, yeah, look, let's watch this space. And by the weekend, we will find out more. Uh, speaking of this weekend, well, it is the Indigenous Round. So we thought we'd just get, have a bit of a spotlight on what is Indigenous Round and what have the what has the NRL done this year to celebrate it? Uh, here we go. Tackle number four. All right, so the NRL Indigenous Round is upon us uh, this weekend. And uh, today the Indigenous Round was launched by the NRL, obviously to distract from the uh, Anthony Griffin situation. Um, look, no, it's <laughs> the Indigenous Round is a chance to celebrate First Nations history and culture throughout this great game and encourage great understanding across the rugby league community. Um, there's a little piece on the NRL.com uh, website. If you go to NRL.com slash Indigenous, you can see uh, quite a few interesting facts and, and stories and resources around uh, the the contribution of First Nations to, um, to the NRL and also facts about this voice to parliament that is being debated at the moment. Um, across the weekend, so 18th to the 21st of May coming up, all venues are going to be using their traditional custodian land names. Mm. Matches will be preceded by welcoming welcome ceremonies and Indigenous cultural performances, and teams will take the field, as we've seen in years gone by, in specially designed jerseys inspired by local Indigenous art and storytelling. Um, now, I think the sponsor for this particular round is DoorDash, who has actually uh, a, a company that's helped... Since 2021, it's helped 142 students through uh, their program uh, for future leaders, and in 2023, is pledging another 30,000 to help future leaders achieve their goals and aspirations. So I thought I'd um, I thought I'd say, look, you know, this is a special round. So if you do get a chance to get out there and support the NRL uh, on the Indigenous round, uh, it it'll be, you, you know, you it, there'll be a little bit more, few special things that are happening. Uh, to remind us of the contribution of the Indigenous cultures uh, and and players over the years to rugby league. And I thought I'd finish this, Tish, with uh, with the names uh, of the 
traditional custodians of each of the home games for the games this weekend. So, um, so I'm going to start with the Broncos and the Panthers, who will be playing at Suncorp Stadium. And Suncorp Stadium is the home of the Yagra and Turbol people. Um, Dragons and Roosters are playing at Netstrata Jubilee Stadium. Uh, is, is that in that's in Wollongong or no? That's that's the one at Cogra, I believe. Yeah. Is it is that the Cogra one? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, All right, and yeah. and that's the home of the Bidjigal and Bediagal. Uh, I believe I pronounced that correctly. People, apologies if I haven't. Um, Rabbitohs and Eels are going to be playing at Allianz Stadium, obviously at Moore Park, which is home of the Gadigal and Bidjigal people. Sharks versus Knights are going to play at Coffs, uh, is it CX Coffs International Stadium, which is the home of the Gumbayangir people. Apologies if I misspelled, mispronounced that. West Tigers and Cowboys are playing at Leichhardt Oval, which is home of the One Goal people. And finally, mm. Dolphins uh, and Storm, I already mentioned this one, Suncorp Stadium, home of the Yagara and Tarbol people. I think that's a f- – oh, no, sorry, there's two more. <laughs> sorry, Bulldogs and Titans are at Accor Stadium at Homebush, which is home of the Barramatical and Wangal people. And finally, Raiders and Seagulls at GIO Stadium is home of the Nungawal and Ngambri people. Uh, apologies if I've mispronounced any of those, but, look, I just – I wanted to go through all of them because I think it's important that, that we respect and honour – the indigenous cultures that have uh, been the longest surviving cultures of any culture in the world and is still surviving at the moment. Um, and it's only through things like this where we can uh, remember and honour uh, the contribution of the great players of the past in the NRL uh, and in rugby league in general in Australia. Uh, so, look, we we 100% support and celebrate um, Indigenous round and, and support the NRL's attempts to uh to to honor honor that and in a special way uh, obviously in the past we've seen things like the the jerseys which has always been a really great thing and and for those inclined i think you can purchase those jerseys at the usual price but they're really special they're different each year is different so it's like you know it's like a piece of art that you're uh, that, that is associated with your favorite team and i think that's always something to consider if uh, if you have the money <laughs> <laughs> with the inflation nowadays, you never know. But if you have the money to spend, it's always worth getting the Indigenous jersey as that special jersey for the year as opposed to any other ones. But, um, but yeah, Tish, uh, I don't know if you have any any final words on the Indigenous round. Well, I think it's a, it's a great round and it's a great uh, way to um, support, um, you know, Indigenous culture, a great way to support the uh, you know the NRL, um, you know, and not just like the play. All the great players that have been part of the game that have been like you know absolutely fantastic. But I think the way the game is played, some of the, you know, some of the 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 great plays and sort of, you know, the great attacking football and things like that. I think, um, you know, it, it has, uh, you know, it has, uh, you know, indig- indigenous players have definitely left their mark on rugby league. So it's a great way to sort of, uh, you know, celebrate. Uh, one aspect of our game that makes it awesome. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, looking forward to a, a great round and all those great, uh, as you said, uh, fantastic pieces of art that, um, you know, has been, you know, sort of commissioned by all the clubs by, you know, some, uh, you know, artists from different uh, areas. I, th- I think it's, yeah, it's just going to be absolutely phenomenal. So 
art and rugby league and indigenous culture coming together rugby league uh, uh dr t what more can you want oh exactly it's uh, it's what it's all about and it's the way we're going to get rugby league to um to thrive elsewhere in the world as well which is what is the topic of the next tackle tackle number five we are talking about france here we go All right, so the big news is that France uh, is pulling out of hosting the Rugby League World Cup in 2025. Uh, I don't know what reasons they cited, but I think we know what the real reason is. It's money. <laughs> it's lack of money. And, uh, and and you know, they probably thought that they, they were weighing over their head that they weren't really ready to host a big tournament, uh, which is pretty sad because they do have two teams now in the top flight in the UK Super League. Uh, you would have thought that they would have had enough of a groundswell of support there that, that could sustain a Rugby League World Cup, which isn't, you know, to be fair, it's not exactly it's not exactly the FIFA Soccer World Cup or whatever in terms of, uh, you know, requirements for, you know, big stadiums and things like that. But certainly France, I think, was more than capable. I think what they found when they crunched the numbers is the, num- the money wasn't there. And and so that look just like we did before with uh, Anthony Griffin. We're not here to dance on on the grave of France and uh, talk about how they've surrendered yet again uh, historically. This time in in rugby league World Cup, uh, but we're more here to talk about where where should the you know who should host the 2025 rugby league World Cup? What other options are there available to us? We don't have that many in international rugby league. Um, but Tish, I put to you, I put a proposal to you that it is a no-brainer that this entire World Cup should be hosted by, I believe, a team, that, a country that is deserving of recognition of the way that they've uh, supported rugby league during the pandemic and sacrificed so much, especially in the form of one team in the NRL. And I'm talking about the New Zealand, uh, the country of New Zealand. I think wow. should be should be the host. I think the interest is there, the money is there. Um, there will certainly be a party atmosphere if uh, if we've got uh, the, all the countries in the world converge in New Zealand. And let's not forget, New Zealand has the capacity to have lots of Aussie supporters, obviously New Zealand supporters, but also lots of the South Pacific Island nations. Also, people from those nations do call New Zealand home even more so than in Australia. So you're going to get some epic, you know, Tongan, Samoan and Fijian uh, games going there with support from – it will feel like okay. home games for all of those uh, nations. So I think it's a no-brainer. New Zealand is the next frontier here and we need to focus and, – and I'm not suggesting even a joint thing with Australia, just completely New Zealand. Let them sort it out. They will have enough capacity. They will have – enough big stadiums and interest to survive this and to make it a very successful World Cup. That's my proposal. Tish, what do you think? Okay, right. Dr. Z, well, I think that's a fantastic uh, proposal and I think that's got lots of merit and I think you made some very good points. I'm going to offer you an alternative, but before I do, I just want to let you know what I have just recently done and I maybe I'll employ you, Dr. T, to do the same, but I just gone, went on to Google uh, I typed in RLWC France 2025 and I hit news, right? Um, and when I did that, the second publication that came up is the Japan Times. 
And I thought, wow, is there interest in the land of the rising sun for wow. the game of the Steerden Bulls? I, I don't know. Like, you know, um, but <laughs> there you go, Japan. Wow. We'll talk about breaking new ground. And I thought, well, oh, it's interesting. It's a news item in, in the Japan Times. But look, um, wow. what do I think with that? In, sorry. Is that what you say as well, Dr. T? Uh, no, I haven't done that yet. But yeah, like, that, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So look, uh, uh, what, very interesting. Yeah. What, what I would like uh, the Rugby League World Cup to do. Look, I know it probably wasn't a big success in uh, the UK, and it seems that uh, the tournament only seems to work in Australia and uh, England, and I think it's got a potential to work in New Zealand. So I think that's a very good candidate. But I think if you're going to go to countries where you're trying to develop and build the game a, a bit further, I think the way you do it is you do uh, you do all the games at one venue, a bit like Magic Round, but you do it for every weekend. And then so you have five consecutive weekends at five different cities and then you can get the whole city behind a particular round where, you know, they'll see all the great teams and all the great lineups. So if you were to take, if you were to do this tournament like that, like, you know, almost like a World Cup series, right, I think that you could probably do one with uh, within the Pacific Islands, right? So you'd do like, you know, uh, you know, round one in Tonga, round two in Samoa, round three in Fiji, and then you could finish it off with a round four in New Zealand, uh, and then do the semi-finals and finals in there after you've done your 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 pool rounds. I think a tournament like that could be really exciting because uh, it means that uh, you know one place gets to see all the different nations. Um, and then they get behind it. And then, you know, if you were to do the same thing in a te- if you were to do the same thing in like America or New Zealand and everything like that, you'd do the same sort of concept, but you'll use one stadium per week and you'll get all the teams around there. So all the fans are mingling. And, uh, you know, it becomes a great tour, right? Like, you know, the English fans, the Aussie fans, Kiwi fans touring around the Pacific together. I mean, I'm sure everybody's going to be on their best behavior, right, Dr. T? Look, are there going to be enough hotels to, to house all of these teams all at once in the, those yep. different cities? I mean, who knows? Uh, you make Cat a good Mandu, point there. backpacking, tenting around the town. Why not? Oh maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe they can just be big tour buses and and they just travel <laughs> around on big motorhomes. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe that's the solution. Um, Look, who knows? I think it's a good idea. Um, I, I, I think, if anything, the idea of how to run that tournament edges me more towards my initial thoughts around that could be done, and it could be done in New Zealand successfully. Mm. Um, because you, you could definitely do that. You know, you've got certain cities uh, yeah. that that would would be able to host. You could have look. You could have a combination of like the. You know, obviously the Auckland and the Wellington, uh, Christchurch. Mm. Obviously, you could even do a Queenstown at one point. Yeah, exactly. Um, depending on whether they've got a stadium there, I'm not sure if they do, but you know, you could build one. <laughs> you know, why not? Um, you've got a couple of years. Um, look, yeah. I and I think Robinson. that all, yeah. So all of these things point to, I think, New Zealand, but using the methods that you've suggested. Yeah, exactly. So you would have. Round one in uh, Hobbiton, uh, round two in Gondor, um, round three in Mordor, <laughs> and then the final in Isengard. Right? Like you know, it would uh, it would all make sense. 
totally the Middle Earth World Cup. That's it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. All right. But look, yeah, let's see what happens. I think it's very disappointing news that in the International Rugby League scene, but I think it just sort of shows that, look, money does talk. And, and maybe we just need to reconsider that, look, uh, you know, maybe it was too early to give it to France. I think they need to do a little bit more development at the local front. But I personally think New mm. Zealand is ready for this. I think they've got yeah. a lot of interest. There's, there's calls for another NRL team to come out of uh, of New Zealand, which I think is very, very strong. Um, mm. And I've said that before. I think it's the next uh, obvious place to go, yeah. that and Perth, um, potentially both yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Uh, final word, Tish. Well, I was just going to say, uh, you know, French World Cups are like French wines. They're best when they're aged. So I think we should announce that the 2052 World Cup is going to be in France and let the, let it just simmer for the next 30 years and I think it will then be a classic Rugby League World Cup. That's right. And just like classic Rugby League, they'll organise it with one year to go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to our final tackle. Tackle number six is the tips for the Indigenous round. Here we go. All right, after round 11... Uh, you are on 55 points, Tish. You got seven out of eight correct. Uh, I'm on 49. I only got five. So you're, you're streaking further and further ahead uh, you're with your lead. Um, and uh, look, without any further ado, let's get into the round 12 tips, Indigenous round. Um, Thursday night game is the big Suncorp Stadium game. The Broncos versus the Panthers. I can't go past the Panthers. I think they've found their mojo again. Uh, what do you think, Tish? Yeah, look, I I tend to agree. I think I think they definitely have. So I think the Panthers for mine in that one, unless it rains, but I don't think it will. All right, uh, Friday six pm at Netstrata Jubilee Stadium, Dragons v Roosters. Um, didn't they just have this at Anzac Day? It felt like yeah, not that long did. ago. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, how silly. But anyway, Dragons v yep. Roosters. Are they going to experience a bounce back effect? I don't know. I think the Roosters will win this one. Yep. Look, um, I think actually all uh, – okay, yeah. I'm going to tip the Dragons. Whoa. Because of the coaching comeback. And uh, could this be Trent Robinson's last game as a Roosters coach? You know, he's sort of under the pressure as well, so, yeah. Well, that's unbelievable. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> Rabbitohs <laughs> versus Eels at the Friday uh, – it's a Friday night game at Allianz Stadium in Sydney. This is going to be a tough one. I – have to go with my heart. I think the Eels will bounce back. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Rabbitohs. I think the Rabbitohs are red hot at the moment. All right, Sharks v Knights, Saturday 3pm at Coffs International Stadium. Um, not really a home game for any of these teams, but I think the Sharks are, you know, flying under the radar as usual. Mm, yeah, it's going to be a tight one, but I, I, I agree. Sharks for mine. Tigers v Cowboys, a uh, re reenactment of the 2005 Grand Final uh, at Leichhardt Oval, no less. So mm. back to Balmain. Um, it's tough one. I don't know what to make of the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys will win this one just based on what I saw last weekend. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Tigers. I just think back at Leichhardt. Uh, yeah, let's let's go for the Tigers. Yeah, let's go for a win there, good boys. 
All right. Dolphins versus Melbourne Storm at Suncorp Stadium. I'm tipping an upset. I'm tipping the Dolphins after a bye. I think Wayne Bennett mm. is probably the only coach that knows how to work out the Storm. And I think, uh, yeah, it, it will be. It is an upset because I think Storm will be very heavy favourites in this one. But I just I got a feeling about the Dolphins. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Storm um, because normally I would go the Dolphins, but I think the Storm. I think uh, the uh, they have, there's a few players that are ex-Storm players uh, playing for the Dolphins. I think the Storm are going to be raring to go. All right. The Bulldogs versus the Titans are at the Sunday 2 p.m. game at O'Cor Stadium. I think the Titans will win this one based on what I've seen. I think the Bulldogs are still struggling at the moment. Yeah. Look, I'm going to tip a bit of an upset. I'm going to tip the Bulldogs here. I don't think this, uh, the Titans travel that well. All right. GRI Stadium, Sunday, 4 p.m. at uh, We've got Canberra versus Manly. I think based on what I've seen, I think Canberra are in a little bit better form than Manly at the moment. Uh, could go either way, but I think Ricky Stewart's fired them up. And, um, yeah, I think they've weathered the storm of the Jack Whiten situation. So I think they're uh, they're now focused again. And I think the, that's mm. when the, da- the Raiders can be dangerous. So I'm tipping the Raiders. Yeah, let me tip the Raiders as well. I think it's going to be a great game, but I think the Raiders are sort of improving, and I think Manly are a bit stagnant at the moment. All right, and of course the the buy goes to the New Zealand Warriors, who will no doubt uh, use that very wisely and not go to Bali. Uh, but yeah. look, that ends I'll the go podcast. to Australia. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Um, look, that that ends the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. It's going to be a big round coming up. A lot of things have happened this week. And uh, look, we look forward to the Indigenous round this weekend for the NRL. Uh, so get out there if you can and support support the Indigenous uh, round, the NRL and your club. Tish, uh, thanks once again for a great podcast. Over to you to wrap things up. Well, thank you, Dr. T, and I'd like to thank everybody for listening. But that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.